doesn't everyone hate Mondays? And doesn't everyone have three glasses of wine when they come home from work? And doesn't everyone just scroll through Facebook and read a chapter of a book and not remember what they read? Or doesn't everyone scan the party of a room and not listen to the person they're talking to? (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't everyone, you know, forget that their keys are in their hand as they're rushing out the door? And the answer is no, that does not have to be the way. You really can be fully present, firing on all cylinders with access to your creative and critical mind simultaneously if you invest the time to manage your stress so that your stress is not managing you. You're listening to Muscle Medicine, where we debunk the myths in the health and wellness world to bring you the latest updates in exercise, rehab, and nutrition from industry leaders. Join your host, Dr. Emily Kyberg, chiropractor and movement expert as she brings you simple, actionable tips to reach your fullest potential. Emily Fletcher, I'm so excited to sit down with you for Muscle Medicine Podcast. Thank you for having me. You had the most epic New York City book launch party for your new book. I sure did. <laughs> it was I, like the high kick. You came on stage, you did this amazing high kick, and it was just like, hello world. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh man. Yeah. We basically produced an off-Broadway show. It was like 170 people in the house. We had singers, a grand piano, drummers, pianists, violins. It was really, we pulled out all the stops for it that was, party. It was amazing. And then like, there was like the drinks in the beginning. I felt like I was at like a fancy cocktail party with like a book launch and an amazing gift bag. And <laughs> Yeah, we really went full out. And then we did it again in Los Angeles, oh. <laughs> like in the middle of a lot. We basically threw two weddings as we <laughs> launched a book and went to number seven uh, out of all books on Amazon. And Amazing. if that's not, and I have a 10 month old son and yes, I'm bragging a little bit, but I'm also, <laughs> you know, sharing all of this to be like, there's no way I could have done all of this without meditation. There's no way my team could have done all of this if they weren't meditators. So it's, it was a beautiful way to illustrate just how productive you can be and how much you can accomplish if stress is not holding you back. And really truly walking your talk. Mm, that's right. Yeah. So tell us, tell us about this book. It's called Stress Less, Accomplish More. And the subtitle is Meditation for Extraordinary Performance. And really, I wrote this book. I spent the last three years of my life working on it because I really want to rebrand meditation as the performance and productivity tool that it can be so that people can never use the excuse that I'm too busy to meditate. Or like saying you're too busy to meditate is like saying, well, my car is out of gas, but I'm too busy to go to the gas station. <laughs> So the thing is, a lot of us don't even know what stress is costing us until we get rid of it. And because it's so pervasive and it's so normal for people to have so much of it, we just think that we just assume that this is what life looks like. Doesn't everyone hate Mondays? And doesn't everyone have three glasses of wine when they come home from work? And doesn't everyone just scroll through Facebook and read a chapter of a book and not remember what they read? Or doesn't everyone scan the party of a room and not listen to the person they're talking to? (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't everyone, you know, forget that their keys are in their hand as they're rushing out the door? And the answer is no, that does not have to be the way. You really can be fully present, firing on all cylinders with access to your creative and critical mind simultaneously if you invest the time to manage your stress so that your stress is not managing you. So for like all those are great examples of like subtle cues of like, oh, we may be stressed. So how does stress present in the physical body? Mm. So 
I think the easiest way to understand how and what stress is doing to us, we got to go back in time a little ways and, and say we're hunting and gathering in the woods and a predator jumps out to eat us. A series of chemical reactions will happen in the body. First thing is that digestion will flood with acid to shut down digestion because you need all of that energy to fight or flee. That same acid will seep onto your skin so you don't taste very good. Your bladder and bowels will evacuate so you can be light on your feet. Your immune system goes to the back burner because again, we need all hands on deck to fight or flee the tiger. And then the body floods with adrenaline and cortisol, which is you know designed to give us superhuman strength to outrun that tiger or to lift a car off of a baby. And so this series of chemical reactions is very useful if your demands are indeed life-threatening ailments. But if your demands are kids or red-eye flights or deadlines or breakups or traffic, then this fight or flight thing has become maladaptive. It is now disallowing us from performing at the top of our game. And so this acidity that launches, that, you know, that the body floods with, it's fine for you to get stressed. Okay, It's actually not bad for you to get stressed. But staying stressed is the thing that's killing us. It's the, why Harvard Medical School is suggesting that stress is responsible for 90% of all doctors' visits. Mm-hmm. It's why scientists are calling it the black plague of our century. And basically, when we get stressed, we become acidic. And when the body becomes acidic, it leads to inflammation. And inflammation is the basis for all chronic disease. And so when you start meditating, you not only get rid of that acidity and get rid of the adrenaline and cortisol, but you start flooding the brain and body with dopamine and serotonin, which are alkaline in nature. And as everybody knows, hopefully at this point, when your body is more alkaline, it's easier for it to heal itself. You know, the pH is better. It's, you're more fertile. Your skin elasticity is better. Your you know, inflammation in your gut goes down, your ability to assimilate nutrients increases, your brain elasticity increases, neurogenesis increases. And that's not just from the pH changing, that's really a lot of the benefits that meditation can cause. But it's basically like, if you're running around in this low grade chronic fight or flight stress reaction all day, you're basically making yourself stupid, sick and slow. Mm. And so if you start meditating while it might seem like, oh gosh, I don't have time to meditate. It's like, well, once you do that and you wipe that lens of stress off of your brain and body, everything else gets easier. You're able to perform things much more quickly, much more elegantly, and with much more effortlessness. Interesting. So for those people who are go, 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 and it's one thing to another, why not just take a nap? Like why meditate versus another way of kind of shutting down, turning down the nervous system. Mm-hmm. I mean, naps are great. And I think if you have time and space to take a nap, then do it. But most of us can't take an hour long nap in the middle of our work day. Most of us can't <laughs> fully nap on our commute home. Most of us can't nap, you know, with our kids screaming in the next room. It's just not really socially appropriate to nap. Whereas a lot of those places that I just mentioned, you can meditate. You can totally meditate at work. You can meditate in a coffee shop, in a hotel lobby, in a park bench, on your commute home. And, and it's actually giving you a more efficient form of rest. Uh, it's because specifically in, in Ziva meditation, you're giving your body rest that's five times deeper than sleep. Mm. And that's not insignificant because when you give your body the rest that it needs, it knows how to heal itself. And one of the things that it heals itself from is stress. And interestingly, not only stress from today, which is what mindfulness is very good at, but meditation is getting rid of your stress from the past. And it's doing that by inducing this deep healing rest. You're actually going in and de-exciting the metabolic rate, which is the rate with which the body consumes oxygen. So you're 
breathing slows, your heart rate slows, and your body temperature cools. And it is that de-excitation of the nervous system that creates order. And that is what allows your body to start releasing and purging that lifetime of accumulated stress. Hmm. And ultimately, it's getting rid of that old stress that ushers us into higher states of cognitive performance. When you talk about creating order, mm-hmm. what, what do you mean? Like on a, like a neurological level or? Mm, I mean like on a cellular level. I mean, so yeah, so there's a whole branch of science called cymatics, C-Y-M-A-T-I-C-S. It's the science of sound. And there's some really cool YouTube videos about this. I just watched a documentary my sister recommended to me called Inner Worlds, Outer Worlds, which I highly, highly recommend. And it's, you can watch people, they'll have, like a metal sheet and then they'll pour a blob of sand on it and it'll just be a blob of sand and then they'll play it with a violin bow at a certain frequency and then that blob of sand will start to make order it will start to create these beautiful sacred geometric shapes and patterns and if you play it at a different frequency it'll make a different shape and order and if you've ever read the hidden messages in water dr emoto you suggest that you know meditating around water or chanting around water or praying around water will you know change the molecular structure of the 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 water itself and since we humans are I don't know, I may not, everyone says something different, 70%, 90% water. We're like a lot water. <laughs> yeah, a, bit, a whole ton of it. Yeah. Yeah. We're more than 50% water. And so it's like, if we're meditating, we're actually changing the shape of our cells. And it goes from being like jagged and rigid to being like beautiful and symmetrical. Yeah. So for certain people who, I don't know if you would, maybe it's like the self- proclaimed high performers or the people that run their own business who, if they literally felt every external stress internally, they would burn out in, you know, (laughs) a month or a year. For certain populations who don't, I'm thinking of myself, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're like, M, are you stressed? I'm like, no, I'm not stressed. Like, did someone just quit? And then there was like something going on at the bank. And then, you know, there was like a couple patients that really were draining. Yeah, but that happens every day. Mm-hmm. If I like crumbled or went into a fight or flight response with every single one, like I, I couldn't run my business. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious if there's like a, like a turnoff mechanism where I'm almost ignoring it and it's accumulating on a cellular level. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I do. I think that everyone is different and certain people are just naturally more resilient than other people or they were, you know, trained or parented into resiliency or you've learned tools along the way to help you do a psychological reframe of things. And you're absolutely right. Like, you know, there's going to be demands. So, so I think we can solve this with a little bit of a vocab lesson. So we tend to use the word stress in the West as things that are happening to us, right? Like you said, if I felt every single stress, like this person quitting and, you know, the traffic and my kids screaming all night, like we felt all of that, we would just be a a pile of tears on the ground and we wouldn't be able to function or run our businesses or our lives. But I would say that those things are not stress. Those things are demands, right? Mm -hmm. So someone quitting, the coffee shop running out of coffee, the delay on your commute, those are all demands, And they are burning up something that I call adaptation energy. And when you run out of adaptation energy and then you have another demand, then your body launches involuntarily into a fight or flight stress reaction, whether you've read Eat, Pray, Love or not. (laughs) And so... 
stress is not what's happening to us. Stress is our reaction to the stuff. So what I am posturing is that if you are meditating every day and certainly twice a day, you're basically filling up your reservoirs with adaptation energy, which allows you to adapt to the inevitable demands of life so that you do not run into a fight or flight stress reaction, so that you don't run out of adaptation energy, so you can continue to elegantly roll with the inevitable punches of life. It's not about feeling every single thing or like crumbling every time something happens. It's about you have a change of expectation, you have a demand, it burns up some adaptation energy, but your tank is full because you meditated this morning. So you just adapt and you move on. And where we get into trouble is that most of us are running on empty. Like most of us do not have a self-sufficient or sustainable means by which to fill up our reservoirs of adaptation energy. And so we're running on empty. And then if anything happens, we're like, don't, I can't deal with that right now. Just don't look at me. I just got to move on. I just have, and then, and then we do end up kind of ignoring or pretending that it didn't happen or just doing the spiritual bypass or moving on to the next. But the thing there is that we can't pretend that that stress or those demands aren't going somewhere, right? Like we can't pretend that that breakup didn't affect you just because you didn't cry about it. You can't pretend that you getting fired from your job didn't stress you out, even if you didn't like have a breakdown that day. And I think we have an opportunity to learn our lessons on the spiritual plane. And if we don't learn them there, then we have to learn them on the psychological plane. And it's a little bit more expensive. It takes a little bit more time. We got to pay our therapist $200 a week for a few years. (laughs) And then if we don't learn it on that plane, well, then it shows up on the gross manifest. It shows up on the physical plane. And then we have to cut it out as cancer. And then that takes tens of thousands of dollars and sometimes years to heal from. And so I just think it's faster and cheaper to learn it on the spiritual plane before it shows up physically. So let's talk about some techniques that you give that reprogram on the spiritual plane like that in terms of like putting a pause between the, the stressor and then how you're going to show up. Mm. So yeah, there's a chapter in the book called Mind the Gap. And it's basically talking about how when you commit to a daily meditation practice and what we teach at Ziva is a a trifecta of mindfulness, meditation, and manifesting. And when you commit to doing that every day, twice a day, you afford yourself the luxury of getting to choose how you want to respond to your demands instead of involuntarily launching into fight or flight stress reactions. And most of us are not choosing to flip that person off on the highway. Most of us are not choosing to lose our tempers on our kids. Most of us are not choosing to scream at our mother-in-laws. We know better, right? But if you're running on empty and you're not filling up your, your reservoirs, then it's very easy to kind of just launch into that thing and not have that space. And, and we all know we should be taking the gap. We know we should be having that pause, but that's very hard to do if your nervous system is riddled with stress. And so it's like that pause, that gap is sort of mindfulness. You know, the, the, your ability to be very fully present, fully conscious right here, right now is what I would call mindfulness. And it's almost like mindfulness is a byproduct of meditation because as you meditate and you get rid of the stress from your past and get rid of the stress in your nervous system, then you become more mindful, you become more present, and it's easier to take that pause in between stimulus and reaction. I love how you differentiate mindfulness versus meditation, because I think, especially as meditation becomes more fluid and more popular, they're interchanged. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so people are using these terms as synonyms, but they're not really synonyms. And I think it would behoove all of us to be more specific with our vernacular because it would help people to stop feeling like failures. Because if you're trying to focus and concentrate, which is more of a mindfulness practice, if you're trying to do that while you're meditating, it's always going to feel like you're failing. It's, it's, and, and the reality is all roads do lead to Rome, but they're pretty drastically different roads. <laughs> like Mindfulness is much more of a monastic path, whereas the meditation that I teach at Ziva is much more of like the busy minds, busy lives path. Like, it was designed for what we call householders, which is different than monks. And it's, it's less than 1% of the world's population that is monastic by nature. The other 99% of us, you know, want to have sex with people and make money and live in society. It's not our nature to be reclusive, but monks, that is their nature. Like they want to live in the caves. They want to be celibate. And and so they have a decidedly different program than we do. And I think the reason why people think meditation is hard is because householders are trying to do monastic practices. And then they're like, oh, I tried to clear my mind, but I couldn't. I want to meditate, but my brain is too crazy. You know, I've tried to meditate, but I was thinking about my taxes and my ex, so I just can't do it. <laughs> and it's like, it's just, and, and I think the reason why mindfulness has become more popular than meditation, P.S., most of the like free quote unquote meditation apps out there, I would actually put in the category of mindfulness. Mm -hmm. Most of the drop-in studios are actually teaching what I would call mindfulness. Anytime someone's guiding you through something, anytime you're directing your focus or focusing on your breath or doing a guided visualization or imagining a waterfall or picturing your chakras, I'm putting all of that in the category of mindfulness because it requires some sort of effort it is happening in your prefrontal cortex. There, You are, in fact, directing your focus. And in mindfulness, a small part of the brain lights up, but very, very bright. And it is derivative of styles originally designed for monks. Now, Ziva meditation is all about surrender. It's all about letting go. It's all about this deep healing rest. And it's the opposite of focusing. It's the opposite of controlling the mind. It's the opposite of clearing the mind. It's, it kind of feels like a nap sitting up. And in it, the whole brain lights up, but not as bright as in mindfulness. And because we're giving the body that deep healing rest, it's healing your stress not only from today, but it's also getting rid of your stress from the past. And you know they're both really good for you. And, and obviously I like both because I've included both of them inside of the Ziva technique, but it's just that people get confused and frustrated if we're calling them the same thing. I feel like I just had an aha moment of, oh my gosh, I, I haven't been able to stick to a meditation practice <laughs> because I've been doing a mindfulness practice of trying to like focus my energy <laughs> in that yeah, differentiation. Yeah, which is awesome. And, and, and I think mindfulness is really great. It can really help you with this focused attention, but it's a different muscle than the surrender muscle. It's a different muscle than letting go and just letting the body heal itself in the way that it really does know how to heal. And you know, you and I were talking earlier about my interview on impact theory on Tom Bilyeu's podcast, and he was just really driving home. He's like, but what are you doing? And I was like trying to articulate that it's the meditation portion of Ziva is based on something called Nishkam Karma Yoga, which means union attained by action hardly taken. Mm. lazy man's meditation. And so just like when you go to sleep at night, your body runs a whole host of healing functions that you have nothing to do with. You know, you're not like, oh, liver, please detoxify. And like, hey, skin, <laughs> please regenerate my cells. It's like, no, you just go to sleep and the body heals itself. Well, same thing in this style of meditation. There, there are some things you have to do to like set yourself up 
for the letting go. But then once the body drops in, it's not really up to you anymore. Yeah. I mean, I think in a society where we are constantly trying to control, I think the concept of surrender is foreign for a lot of people. But I love how surrendering can heal your past. Mm. Can you talk about that? Because that feels foreign to me because I've always associated like what you talked about before. It's like therapy, <laughs> life coaching mm-hmm. as the tools to heal my past. But I love this idea of surrendering through meditation. Yeah. And I look, I love therapy and I love life coaching. I'm into both of those things, but they are more like software upgrades. Those are operating systems and they are changing the way you see things or the way you operate. It's like changing the lens through which you see the past, giving you a different framework to understand and contextualize, which is decidedly conscious practice. And it's awesome and powerful and necessary. But this type of meditation is actually healing things on a pre-verbal cellular level. And I've had many a therapist take my meditation class and be shocked at just how much junk comes up and out, like how much physical and emotional detox happens when they practice this. And they're like, what the what? I'm a therapist. I've been doing decades of therapy. Why on earth am I crying after my meditation? Why on earth am I so sad? Why am I angry? I've dealt with this. And it's like, yes, you have but there, there might still be some regi- residual stuff in your cells in the actual physical body. And that's where the meditation is so powerful. And so I just I find that it just saves you so much time. Like I used to go to therapy every single week and I did, after, and I learned to meditate and I still went to therapy every week for about a year. And then one day I was just like, huh, I don't know what I would talk about. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I think I'm good. And, you know, and I think that I, you know, that was a tribute, had an amazing therapist and this is no dig to therapy and everyone is different, but I am into self-sufficiency, right? Like I'm into like, let's get the keys to the car. Let's get the driving instructions and let's learn how to do this stuff eventually on our own. And I think a lot of people, especially when they start Ziva, I highly recommend they work with a therapist, especially if they've been dealing with trauma or anxiety or depression, because when people are moving through the physical and emotional detox that happens for a lot of people, they need support through that. And I'm not a doctor. I'm not a therapist. I'm not really equipped to help people move through really intense detox or unstressing. So I do think it's relevant, but I want to be moving towards self-sufficiency. I think we have become our own doctors. You know, like I think that's the beauty of, of functional medicine is that you learn how nature works. You learn how your body works with nature. And then you start to take every meal as a medicine dose. Every workout is a medicine dose. Every time you meditate, it's like you're dosing yourself and you need to know, well, do I need to cool my body? Do I need to warm my body? Do I need to give my body rest? Do I need to kick it in the pants? And, and I think the, the meditation helps you to like turn up the volume on your intuition so that you know like which direction to move in. You did this at your book launch party. I think I've seen you do it once before. The the coming to your senses, mm-hmm. that practice, is that a meditation practice of healing past stress, past trauma or not? No, that would be the mindfulness component of the Ziva technique. So that's Mm kind of like the runway. That's like the appetizer. And that's just a way for people who have busy minds and busy lives, like high performing control freaks. It just gives them something to do on the way to the surrender that is meditation. (laughs) I love that. We're like, 
we're going to give you a little doing just to like satisfy yep. what you're used to, but then we're going to give you what you really need. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Cause it's hard for people to go from the momentum of 90 miles an hour to like, like dropping into that deep healing rest of meditation. And so I think it's just, it's a little active and it's a nice uh, runway. Yeah. So, I mean, you have Ziva meditation in person online taught tens of thousands of people. Yeah, I think we're up to 17,000 now. Ooh, I love it. What has been like, you know, I mean, I have friends who've gone on two-week silent meditation retreats. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they try the apps. What have people come back to you and been like, you know, this really was different and this is what happened? Mm-hmm. So I've also done 10-day silent meditation retreats. Uh, It's called Vipassana. It's awesome. I highly recommend it. For those of you who don't know what Vipassana is, basically like you go away for 10 days and it's silent, no eye contact, no talking, no reading, no writing. It's 10 hours a day, cross-legged, no cushion. You can't move. You have two meals a day. You get up at 4 a.m. Like it's intense. And it's the most excruciating physical pain I've ever experienced in my entire life. No cushion. I mean, mean, it's like a teeny tiny, like half an inch cushion cushion that like one hour in is basically not a cushion. You're just on the, I mean, your butt on the ground. And I remember by minute 46, I was like, certainly I'll have to amputate my legs. Certainly I'll (laughs) never be able to walk again. (laughs) And then I just had a whole story going in my brain of like, well, what if I need to go back on Broadway? Maybe I should get some pillows for underneath my knees. Like I may need to dance again. (laughs) Finally, by like day three, the teacher like calls me over and he's not supposed to be talking either, but he just like whispers to me, he goes, stop trying to make me miserable. And I was like, oh, got it. Stop trying to not be miserable. It's like, and even that was like surrender, like feel the pain, yeah. sit in it. Yeah. And then the pain becomes your teacher. And what I learned from, from Bahasana, and everyone is different, but for me, it helped me to stop chasing pleasure and stop avoiding pain. And if you can become a master of that, then you can master almost anything in your life. And I think Bahasana is great. It's like psychic surgery. You know, it's great to do if you need to like really do a reset or you're writing a book or going through a divorce or just, you know, want to like really pull the lens back. But I do not know one person, myself included, and I'm a meditation teacher who's ever kept up a Vipassana practice after the retreat. It's like they go, they have an amazing experience and they come home and then the, the take home program is two hours a day, one hour in the morning and one hour at night. And oh yeah, it hurts. <laughs> so <laughs> like, I, I literally don't know anyone who's, who's done it outside of the retreat for very long. There are a few people might exist out there. So I'm not saying they don't exist, but it is very rare. Whereas Ziva is much more like physical therapy right? Like I teach you how to do this stuff on your own. I give you the keys to the car and the driving instructions so that you are self-sufficient. And everything I just said about like 10 days, no talking, no reading, no writing, like that's a decidedly monastic program. You know what I mean? Like that is very monk-like existence. Whereas this thing is designed to make you better at life. It's designed to help you be more creative, more in flow, better at parties, better sex, you know, more productive, all of the things that we want and need as householders. And where this is interesting for folks is that I'll put the apps in this category too, because you said, you know, why are people coming to Ziva and not going on the 10 day silent retreat or the apps? And look, they all have their place. You know, I don't think that it's not that any of those things are bad, but most of the apps out there are actually teaching mindfulness, which is derivative of monastic practices. Like if you think about Headspace, right? It was started by Andy Puttacombe, who was a monk. And a lot of the mindfulness practices there, so it's more about focusing. It's more about letting the thoughts go, trying to clear the mind. 
And even though as like user friendly as they have become, still the base of the practice is, you know, come back, come back, come back, come back. It's a short leash. Whereas in Ziva, it's a very long leash and you can, you're allowed to take mental field trips. Thoughts are not the enemy. It's all about letting go. It's all about letting your body surrender into, you know, this deep healing rest that I keep talking about. And I think that one, people feel so liberated when they learn that thoughts are not the enemy of meditation, that the thought, that the mind thinks involuntarily, just like the heart beats involuntarily. People feel so liberated by that and they don't feel like a failure. And none of us will do anything for very long that we feel like we're failing at. And so that in and of itself, that really helps people to stay committed. But then they also just see results. And my big thing is like, if you're going to invest your most valuable resource, which is your time, you better be getting a return on your investment. And so if people are doing an app that isn't necessarily designed for them, and it also it's free and gentle by nature, you don't know what people are expecting. They're like, oh yeah, I did 10 minutes of a free app that, I, that didn't give me any instruction. I didn't invest in anything and I have no skin in the game or commitment and it didn't change my life. And it's like, well, duh, of course it didn't. <laughs> of course it didn't. But whereas Ziva is a matriculation, right? So like you move through, it's not, I don't do like drop-in classes. I don't do stuff at like corporate stuff or, or talks. I'll walk people in visualization, but I don't really like it to be quite honest because I'd much rather people just do the training so that they can, so they don't need me anymore so that they can do it on their own. Yeah, we do something very similar just in a physical brick and mortar clinic, which is like, we're going to give you the tools from a rehab perspective. We're going to kind of figure out what's going on, get to the root, but then like, you're going to go use the tools so that you don't need us anymore. Boom. What do you tell the people that are like, I just don't have time? (laughs) Well, I think we go back to the same point of like, no one has time to meditate if you're not getting a return on your time investment. Right. right. So like no one has time to waste. And really this is why I wrote this whole book because every time I give a talk or you know, speak at a corporation and I'll say, how many of you guys have tried meditation? And about 90% of the hands go up. That's in New York City. It might be different in other places. And then I say, okay, how many of you guys have a daily practice that you do every day come hell or high water? And about 90% of those hands go down. So like maybe five or 10% of the people say yes to that. And bridging that gap of people who've tried meditation and people who actually effing meditate, that is why I wrote this book. That is why I've dedicated my life to this because it's it's too good. It's too valuable and it's doing too much good for your brain and body for people to feel like failures or to think they're too busy. But because most people are trying meditation styles that weren't designed for them, then they're not really, they feel like it's hard. They feel like they can't clear their mind. They're not getting a return on investment. So then they quit. Or the other thing that happens is they actually start and then there's like an emotional and physical detox with that lifetime of stress coming up and out. And then people are like, oh no, I'm too busy. Because really they just don't want to feel it. And, and oftentimes teachers are not equipping them with the tools to sit in and process the intensity of the emotions that can come up and out. And if you're not equipped to deal with that, or you don't even know that it's a possibility, then you'll think like, oh, this meditation thing is not for me. Like I started and I was crying. And so something might, must be wrong. Or I started meditating and I was very tired. So that must be like not for me. And so if you don't have an intellectual understanding that you might indeed have a purge or like a healing catharsis, and if you don't have any support through that, then that's why a lot of people quote are too busy. Because like who wants to feel sad or tired? tired. Nobody. But, <laughs> but if you're willing to bravely move through the uncomfortability, then you're setting yourself up for a lifetime of better performance, a lifetime of better sleep, a lifetime of more flow. I love that. It's like showing up with courage. Mm-hmm. Some of the people that have 
told me that they use Ziva meditation. I had a moment. It's like, really? You're, you're like really busy. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, twice a day I do it. <laughs> Mark Fisher. And that's one instance where I'm curious how you use your own practice. And then also after having a baby, because mm-hmm. most new moms are like, whoa, this is yeah. really stressful. Yeah. So I birthed a book and a baby in the same year, which I <laughs> do not recommend. Really not, not advisable. There's not a chance I could have done this without, without meditation. Um, just for anyone who's not aware, <laughs> you know, I mean, my pregnancy was a dream, but my birth was intense. It was like a four day back labor. And, yeah. And yeah. then we went into like a whole string of physical complications with like a tongue tie and stitches mm. coming out and jaundice. And it was really brutal. My postpartum was, was the hardest thing I've ever gone through. And, um, and I stopped meditating for about a month because I wasn't sleeping like at all. It took me about an hour and a half to feed my son between like breastfeeding and then pumping and then formula. And then, and so I would sleep for like maybe 45 minutes to an hour and then we would wake up and do the whole thing again. And so I was like 24 hours a day round the clock. I would, I would sleep in like maybe 40 minute increments. Oh goodness. And so it was like even if I wanted to meditate, like my there was no chance. You know, my body would just be like, "Good night, we're going to sleep," and so I was sort of rendered choiceless. Um, and and it was a good example of we don't meditate to get good at meditation; we meditate to get good at life. And so it's not about having a perfect meditation record. It's about I've been putting deposits in the bank account for eleven years, and so you know, when I wasn't meditating for a while, like, I think that's part of what helped me to move out of that really intense hole as quickly as I did. So I didn't meditate for about a month. And then about when he was one month old, I, I was able to do about once a day. And then when I went back to work two months, when he was two months old, I started back to twice a day. And it helped me to sort of remember and have more compassion for what it feels like to not meditate. Cause life is so hard when you don't meditate. <laughs> It's just everything feels frustrating and tiring and overwhelming. And P.S. I think that's also why people think they don't have time is because they're already so overwhelmed, but what they can't see when you're swimming in it is that you're overwhelmed because of the stress. (laughs) You can't get through your to-do list in time because you're fucking stressed. Yeah. (laughs) It's like if you would just stop and meditate, you'd be able to get through your to-do list a lot faster, a lot more elegantly. Oh yeah. And you would enjoy yourself a lot more and you'd be costing the people around you less. So people around you don't want you sick, stressed, and, sti- and tired. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I so I would say with the meditation for me, like it definitely helped me to just move past my own resistance in writing the book because everybody's just like, I suck and I'm dumb and no one cares what I have to say <laughs> and this is ridiculous and what am I doing? And, and, you know, moving past that and birthing something from the unmanifest into the manifest, it takes work no matter what you're birthing, a book or a baby or, any, or a company any creative endeavor. And so the meditation just helped me to realize that it wasn't, they're not my words. It's not my lessons. It's just nature using me as a vessel. And so when you get into that kind of flow state and being a vessel, it's much easier for the words to to come through you. And then now like doing this book launch while nursing a baby, thankfully we were able to continue nursing. Like it was a battle, but we were able to continue. Just the like logistics of that is that my son, Jasper and I, we have to be in the same geographic location every three hours, like in order to feed him. (laughs) 
I don't know if you've ever like, yeah. you know, tried to do a podcast interview with a screaming toddler running around or like do 10 podcasts in a row and like try and figure out, well, when is he going to wake up from his nap so that I can nurse him? And then you're like pumping and it's just a whole thing. So God bless every mother out there. God bless every nursing and non-nursing. Like it's a logistics superhero feat. <laughs> it really is. It yeah. really is. I breastfed my kid till uh, he's three now, till eighteen months, mm, and I bravo. remember. Yeah, I remember the first ten days. You know, just like the whole like concept of latching. Yeah. Like, is it the football hold? Is it the side lie? Is it the the cradle? Is it using the the boppy? And I remember leaning over him, and I was like, I own a business, and I manage a team of people, and. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, why is this so hard? Basically. I, yeah. I just had I just had a talk with a friend of mine who's an executive at Apple. And I think she was an Olympic swimmer. Like she was like a pre-Olympic or maybe junior Olympic swimmer. Like really badass, very competitive, very successful woman. And she said that breastfeeding is the hardest thing she's ever done. Uh, yeah. And I was like, whoa. So anyway, point of the story is that if I didn't have meditation to just take time for me and let go of the intense like demand that was going on in my life through this launch, I would, I would not be talking to you right now. I'd be like in an insane asylum or something. <laughs> <laughs> so where do people start with, mm. with Siva? Like if they're yeah. like, yeah, this sounds awesome. I want it. Where, where do people start? Well, I think it really depends on the person. You know, some people really want the intellectual understanding and the science. And so I'd say if that's you, I would say start with the book because the book is basically the science behind all of the selfish reasons that we come to meditation. The first third of it is the science behind why it's going to help you have better sleep, the science behind why it's going to help you have better sex, why it can reverse your body age by 15 years, how it can improve your immune function, increase your productivity, help you make more money. And so it's like all the science behind that. And then in part two of the book, I teach a version of the Ziva technique. And then in part three, we kind of pull the lens back and look at the ripple effect of how does you selfishly improving yourself help people around you. So the book is a great way to start, but it is in fact gentler than uh, we have an online training, which is called Ziva Online. And so if people aren't in New York or LA and they want to get started right away and they tend to be more visceral and like a little bit more direction or guidance, I would say Ziva Online is a great place to start. It's 15 days. It's about 15 to 20 minutes a day for 15 days. And then once you graduate, you have the mindfulness, the meditation, and the manifesting to take with you. And then I also teach in person in New York and LA. And that course is two hours a day for four days. And then you graduate. And I, so I would call that like the Maserati of meditations, like the live training. There's, there's really nothing that can replace learning face-to-face. -face. So if people are in New York or LA, I think that's a great option. But I made Ziva online for people who don't have access to a teacher face-to-face. -face. And people are having crazy results from it. Like we just did a big birthday thing because I turned 40 last week. And I think I have like 1,200 new Ziva onliners in there. And it's so fascinating to watch this many people go through all at once. And it's exciting. People are like, my sleep is better. And they're posting pictures of their screenshots. And people are like, I haven't had a panic attack since I started. And I feel like life is just in better focus now. It's just, it's really fun. Yeah. I think one of the great parts of not only the tools that you give in the online piece, but is the, the community, right? There's like a, there's a private Facebook group right? Yes. Yes, there yes. is. And so it's like, everyone's like cheering each other on, but also sharing and then sharing their breakthroughs and just sharing their transformations, which is really, it's hard to find community in this day and age, you know, and it's kind of like a built in piece of people all moving towards the same thing. 
So yeah, I love, I actually really love the community and it's, it's for a while, it was just me. It was like people asking questions and then me answering. We finally reached a critical mass where like the community is much bigger than me and, you know, people are in there and guiding and supporting and sharing. And it's like its own living being thing now, which is awesome. Awesome. Oh, and people, I know you asked where people can find that. And so the, both the online course and the live course, people can find it just zivameditation.com. So it's Z-I- va meditation.com and it's a gorgeous website it's oh, <laughs> like you. aesthetically really gorgeous and then where can other than online and in the book and in mm-hmm. new york and la where can people find you like are you active on social media yeah so we're all over social media it's just at ziva meditation we're on instagram and facebook and then we have a thing called the ziva tribe so it's a facebook group and it's open to anyone it's kind of like our, our public page but people can join the ziva tribe on facebook or follow us on instagram awesome and um, thank you so much i feel like i just had like multiple transfer i have like a page of notes like sticky Yay. notes all over the place <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, thank you so much. I think our listeners will should buy the book and dive in and do the online uh, stuff because it's it's really transformational. Yay! Well, I agree, but I'm biased. <laughs> <laughs> and you have like the cutest kid. Ah, thank you. I'm like, biased you, on that one too, but holy <laughs> moly, I love him so he much. He looks like a wise soul. Yeah. <gasps> well, he is. He's definitely at least a thousand years old. This guy. <laughs> Thank you so much. We'll drop all of those resources into the show notes. All right. Great. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks so much.